Crack open a cold box of wine or pour something cold on ice because it's the Binge Watchers Podcast. Can you guys think of like your worst Thanksgiving moments or like, uh, can you remember like a uh, horrible holiday memory since people are like all jacked up, like killing each other in grocery aisles right now, getting ready for this holiday season that's erupting all around us? Dave, you got like uh, a notorious uh, memory? Yeah, I do actually. The worst thing is, is this was during the camcorder V or uh, recorded. <laughs> camcorder era so it was actually captured on vhs of me throwing up yams because i hated them so bad and then being shamed for wasting food <laughs> so you can, like you can watch it, relive the shame like, every year right you can play back that video every year right yeah you know yeah. Uh, planes trains automobiles followed up by david crying at eight <laughs> how old were you i don't know between six and eight i mean i don't know somewhere in that era wow not fun no. What about you, Jordan? Do you have a funny story or like think of something that sticks out? Yeah, it was like the first time I tried to make Thanksgiving dinner, like not at home. So I did mm. like turkey and everything. And I was pulling this pot out or this like tray and I put it in my sink. And I had a like a sink stopper at the time that had a suction cup. And so I didn't realize, and it was made out of silicone, I didn't realize it got stuck to the bottom of the pan. And then I put the same pan in the oven. So then I Mm. almost caught my apartment on fire once. (laughs) But it gets worse. Sorry Sorry for the laughter. Well, and then it's like silicone fumes is like totally marinating my turkey. So that was really, really gross. And then... I think I like went to go take it out and I like dropped my like oven mitt like in the oven, like right on top of one of the coils. And so I didn't almost just burn my apartment down once. Like I almost burned my apartment down twice in like the same couple hour span and the turkey tasted like shit. So it's just like it was not good. So not a complete fail, but almost a complete fail for first Thanksgiving without my family. What about you, John? Okay, so like uh, sometimes like if, if a meal's planned, I can cook a holiday meal for a bunch of people, but it's like it's executing it like military style, right? Like how many people at what time mm-hmm. are there allergies, right? So it's like, you know, like things like that. But I remember one year like not planned an extended family member who didn't deserve to have me cook for them because I remember like just like being so angry. But what's funny is, okay, there is a caveat here because – I've erased most of my horrendous holiday memories. I've done a great job of killing all holiday memories. I don't have very many. Like, I think maybe I remember like having a holiday dinner with David one time, but then I specifically remember these two stories. So the first one is I had to create like a whole second dinner because somebody's oven went down. So I'm cooking for this family member who I don't like. I'm like, I, it's really hard to cook for people that you don't think deserve to eat your food. Right. However, the modern Thanksgiving is not the same as like the classic Thanksgiving or even like 
we won't even get into like the politics or the agenda or the holiday or what it means to different groups of people. It's just literally like my modern take on it is everybody tries as hard as possible to eat a bunch of food, but also make sure that people around them have also food to eat that day, right? Like people go out of their way to eat, right? They should change the holiday to just like, this is food day or this is like national eat day. Everybody eats today, no matter who they are. Anyway, so like cooking two meals. So it's like, that's two turkeys whether we have two pans or not, like two sets of everything. Mm -hmm. And then like, like there's like an obnoxious thing in my family where they like, they buy multiple turkeys and I'm like, you need one Turkey. You don't actually need multiple turkeys. It'd be easier to share like one decent Turkey than to have like, you know, your oven is like not even right. Like every oven has like a hot spot and a cold spot. And like, so it's like, and, and technically the birds aren't the same bird. It's not like they were cloned. So you're like fighting with like getting them cooked genetics and this right. and that and yeah, yeah one, so what nobody one could cooking. like uh could predict it's like how are we going to transport this thing in a giant pan with its drippings and its juices in a car to bring the second turkey to where it had to, its final destination right so that was that was bad that was like i wish i could erase that one and you know what you know what folks i'm drinking a holiday beverage right now and if i take a couple sips of it maybe that one will go away too <laughs> Does it include wild turkey? Oh, crap. Now, that's Matthew Ooh. McConaughey's favorite. But here's trivia, David. Matthew McConaughey's favorite brand of... I think he's invested in the company is wild turkey. Um, second story is... It's like a holiday meal, but it may not be Thanksgiving. It might be Christmas. You know how like, people do like Italian food or like Chinese food or something on the other holiday because they're tired of... like They're just getting over the turkey coma, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, right. Can't do another turkey. Although turkey enchiladas are... Tur- like, turkey enchiladas are like... When you with the leftover bird is really good, but anyway, I digress. The story is this: cooking chicken parm, also for a family member, and like there's like a war movie on in the background with like Clint Eastwood or something, and uh, like Kelly's Heroes is playing in the background while I'm cooking chicken parm, and then like some dude's wife goes like, "You've never made he, like he goes to the wife he tra- he goes to the wife you've never made your chicken parm this good." I'm like, oh shit, man! Oh. Yeah, I'm like in the middle of a couple's chicken parm. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean, like unintentionally like, stirring the pot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. And I just think I did a, you know, add a boy. I just made some great chicken parm, but uh, you know, apparently it's gonna cause a divorce. You know, <laughs> like, like whatever. Moving on. Um, oh, then this other, my other friend uh, Katrina was telling me a story about like she's gonna go have. Uh, Thanksgiving this year with like her mutual friends, like Michelle and Julie. But then like Julie's birthday falls around Thanksgiving. So they're like, oh, we're going to celebrate Julie's birthday at the Thanksgiving dinner. And I'm like, time out. Like you can slowly build the recipe for disaster here, like super easily. So first of all, probably not a good idea to celebrate a birthday on, on a Thanksgiving, right? Because the, the, the events are competing for attention from everybody involved. And the expectations are different, but then it's like Michelle suggested that they put Julie's dead dog on her birthday cake and serve it at the Thanksgiving dinner. So now I had to pause to make sure that I heard, received this information correctly from <laughs> Katrina. Was like, all right, Kat. So you're telling me you're going to this mutual Thanksgiving? Cool. You're going to visit some old friends. One's having a birthday, and then it's like, by the way, we put your dead dog Skippy on your <laughs> on a cake. Here's the turkey, and here's the cake. Like. That that to me is like a, a whirlwind of trouble, but it, it's a good comedy bit, right? Like it's like David, 
do you think if I went to that party, like I would have to bring up the fact that they put somebody's dead dog on a cake? Like, do you think like, how do you not like address that in public when you're gathered at this dinner and surprised by like, but the question I have is, is it a picture of the dead dog or is it like the taxidermied dead dog? Oh, like, that's like this? He's like in the corner of the table by the cake. Like, no, it's not like that. Like, uh, like, a like, a. I don't even know what they call those funerals. Like, you know, they do this in like New Orleans or something. Like, you know what I'm saying? Where the the, the dead person's like, Jordan, do you know about these funerals? Mm, where like, the deceased yeah. is like the guest of honor. So they're just sitting there like frozen in time like this. Hmm. Oh, where they haven't like, well, you eat barbecue around them up? or something? Yeah, yeah. Um Yeah, anyway, I don't uh, <laughs> that's, a, that's an interesting funeral right there not i'm not opposed yeah so it's like a it's like a, a laser picture of the dog dave you know how like you can stencil things on cake now have you seen well, that's these? that's what i was Advanced trying to do jordan have you seen what they're doing in, in cake icing these days like you can literally like put anything on on like a cake can you like 3d print with like frosting is that a yeah thing? yeah it's, it looks like t-shirt printing you know how like you can print these things and then your your picture of you and your friends at freaking disneyland or whatever or like on the on the uh t-shirts they do that now with like cake you can get them to screen print like can we just admit that it tastes horrible though like it just doesn't taste good oh yeah it's all chemicals yeah it tastes horrible it doesn't even taste like regular frosting it's like the worst thing you could put on a cake so not only is it a picture of your dead dog it's gonna actually taste fucking horrible and ruin your thanksgiving so you know moving on from that okay all right switching gears uh and some home video headlines um (laughs) I've learned that there's going to be an Escape from New York sequel with Kurt Russell from two sources, but then the third source actually disagrees and says it's his son Wyatt, and it's going to be a re a reboot. Now, what's the slim chance that Jordan has seen Escape from New York? Nope, but if okay. Kurt Russell so, might be in it, let's yeah, go. Yeah. So he plays this guy. This is one of his most like iconic characters, Snake Plissken, and he's done it in Escape from New York and Escape from L.A., but in Escape from New York... It's like the future of 1981. And of course, New York is a state prison. The whole state is collapsed. And it's just now where the rest of the country sends all their prisoners. And then the president's plane is like flying overhead or something and crashes. And they're like, oh, shit, the president of the United States. We got to rescue his ass. So they send in this guy, Snake Plissken, who's already like on death row. He's got one eye and an eye patch. Hmm. And they're like, we stuck a bomb in your neck. Go save him in a day or we're going to blow you up. And then, like, then you see, like, then the, the clock starts counting, right? And it's like a fast movie. So you're like, oh, he's got 90 minutes, like, in real time to, like, go find the president or whatever. So not sexy Santa version of Kurt Russell. No, he's not playing his saxophone. He's not singing about the holidays. He's murdering and getting, and people are trying to murder him. And, yeah. Although I guess, I guess it, the sexy part would be dependent on your version. I mean, a lot of women okay. find this Kurt Russell sexy. I'm in. One, one eye, <laughs> scruffy beard. You know, we'll give it a try. They just admit that you're pausing it. You know, chiseled Kurt Russell running down these wet streets of New York in the middle of the night. Hey, look, I'm I'm not hiding anything. Like, if I could time, <laughs> time travel to 1981, I mean, and it could happen. I'm just saying he can get it. That's all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Kurt Russell, baby. Are you wait, John? Are you telling me that if Kurt Russell comes and just sees you out of the oh, no. Don't try to brag. Put me in the Brad Pitt box, all right? I've, I've, I've heard this before. All right, don't don't try to lock me in to the scenario, David. I'm just David saying, if you look me dead in the face, you, know, you me. <laughs> <laughs> 
All I can give you is the answer Back from Oscar in, on uh, the office when uh, Ed Helms asked about the Brad Pitt question. He's like, well, I do have this one reoccurring dream where Brad Pitt shows up. <laughs> <laughs> the Oscar's answer is, oh, you might be gay. All right. Um, oh, do you guys know the Streets of Rage video game? Was that a... This is like going back to the days of Super Nintendo. Is that like oh and like Sega and like arcades? So it sounds it's a little bit like Escape from New York, actually, because that's literally what it is. Like you're fighting through the streets of rage to get to a boss called Mr. X. However, it's exactly like another game that I love called Final Fight, which in Final Fight, you can play as the mayor, you strap dynamite to your chest, you go into the streets of rage in that game, and you fight your way through a bunch of gangbangers, and like then you you save the city. Um, they supposedly were developed at the same time, but I would rather have a Final Fight movie as opposed to a Streets of Rage movie. And notoriously, every video game movie we've talked about this on the show, like besides Sonic the Hedgehog for kids and Resident Evil for kids and adults, the video game adaptations have like notoriously like just failed. Um, I don't know, but people are coming around. People now like love the live action Mario. You know this, Dave? They've come around to really like. I mean, I know the, it's uh, got a cult following, but like nobody thinks of it as genuinely good. Well, there's going to be a new Mario <laughs> that's coming out soon. That's got uh, uh, Chris Pratt. Chris Pratt pratting it up as Mario. Honestly, did not know there was a live action Mario. Oh man, you got to Google this. This is like internet it's, meme status to the. Yeah, you got to look this up. It's awful. Like even ninety two. That might be the very first movie, even as a kid, where I'm like this is pretty bad. Like, cause you know, like there's that magic age when you're a kid where every movie is great. Right. And then, yeah. then you turn a corner and you're like, oh wait, movies can be bad sometimes. <laughs> movies can just be bad. <laughs> like and that was not Super even Mario good, bad, just bad, bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, you guys know who Gamera is? Gamera, he's like the flying so he, turtle. He's like a Godzilla, but he's a turtle. Hmm. He's a giant freaking turtle. And of course, in his first kaiju movie, he's like a bad guy. But then, like, you know. Start saving people in the sequels. I guess Netflix is going to nab him up and make like another Gamera, which is cool because I've always loved this giant turtle movie. Um, accidentally saw it just like cruising through the channels back in the day. And it's going to be pretty cool if they do like another movie. Um, speaking of movies, we're going to talk about a movie tonight called Nobody's Fool. It's got uh, Paul Newman. It's a story about Donald Sully Sullivan. I don't even know his name was Donald because in the movie it's just like Sully. Sully, yeah. Uh-oh. Was an airplane this is background. not my apartment. I yeah, can't cool. help it. I'm like, I gotta make a soundproof box or something. <laughs> okay. Let me know if All right, the plane's gone. So Sully Sullivan, he's an expert at avoiding adult responsibilities. At 60, he divides all his time between a local bar and the occasional construction job. When his estranged son Peter arrives in town, oh, that's Dylan Walsh, um, he brings a son of his own and a sob story about his failed marriage. Sully finds himself assuming the roles of both father and grandfather, and after a life of unchecked self-indulgence, he wonders if he's up to the task. Um, wow, I almost about I was about ready to say what kind of movie it was. Um, David, what are your details about uh, Nobody's Fool? All right, so um, this uh, the, the director of this, Robert Benton, certainly likes to work with actors a lot. Um, he worked with Bruce Willis twice before this on Nadine and Billy Bathgate and would go on to work with Paul Newman in 1998's Twilight which is also based on a novel by Nobody's Fool author Richard Russo. 
this movie was nominated for two Academy Awards for Paul Newman as actor and Robert Benton for best original or excuse me, best adapted screenplay. Um, I, I was almost worried that we one of us might have watched the wrong movie when I looked this up on Roku. Uh, there was a 2018 mm-hmm. Nobody's Fool, and I looked this up. There's been a total of five movies named Nobody's Fool going back to the silent era in 1921 and up to 2018 with uh, one from Tyler Perry. <laughs> so, oh, and one of them was from 1986 and starred uh, one of recent stars of our movies, Eric Roberts. So we could have watched an Eric Roberts, Nobody's Fool. Um, this was the final film performance for Jessica Tandy, and it was dedicated to her. And something I found interesting, Bruce Willis took a substantial pay cut to work on this movie, only earning the SAG standard of $1,400 a week. Uh, when at the time he was currently making about $15 million a movie. So I guess well, he, he must've done it to work with maybe Tandy and Paul Newman, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, wouldn't you? I oh mean, yeah, dude. I mean, you got to make an artistic choice, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, that was the era when I think he was mixing it up, trying to do some dramatic work as well. Why not work with Paul Newman and Jessica Tandy? So yeah, that's some facts. We're <laughs> done with rather quickly. <laughs> Uh, all right. I mean, I can park slower next time, but I don't know. It's all right. Like that. Uh, before we go to our favorite bits, we got at least one message to go to. So we can spread the gift of music this holiday season. This is how we're going to do it. New subscribers who purchase an eligible Echo device can enjoy six months of a free trial of Amazon Music Unlimited. There's a link in our podcast notes. The offer is going to end on January 10th. Share it with everybody that you know and get them hooked up with a. If they get an echo, they get six months of free music. There you go. David's already on it. Yeah. Free music. What's not like not to like? I actually have a, a couple of, echoes. It's a lot of free music. So yeah. With a that million echo. Christmas songs, just like a million Christmas movies on Hallmark. You sold me. Oh man. Nice. <laughs> Effective ads. <laughs> Every night on this podcast. Yeah, I actually looked that up. They are, they Hallmark has premiered forty movies over this holiday season, or oh. are going to premiere. I wonder what the record is. Maybe 50 I don't know. Or something. That's a lot of Christmas movies. In that one is season. for a premiere too, right? Like for one, yeah, those are all movies. brand new. That's wild. But I'm here for it. You know, I just love me a good cheesy, not mm. top tier about unicorn Christmas. Christmas. No. Okay, that's coming this year. Anytime, any day now. <laughs> See, I'm looking forward to a royal corgi Christmas. Mm. Oh no, dogs and Christmas? Why not? That's another one. That's another title. That's no. That's literally a movie that's coming out this season of a royal corgi Christmas. I was like trying to conceptualize like what the storyline would be, and it's like all of the you know huskies or like the like those winter dogs can't pull the sleigh, so they have to. You know, get a bunch of corgis to pull a, yeah. a sleigh for I don't know what reason. That but. sounds so much better than what it actually is about. There's got to be like a dark story behind why they have such short legs, though. I'm sure, like, I'm sure horrible breeding, you know, yeah, some kind of interbreeding yeah. or like outbreeding or like, yeah, they did something. I think they're bred to be like, uh, you know, uh, to go after to fit like, inside of a mailbox. Yeah. <laughs> like they have no legs. I don't even know if they get, they like, like can they run? Yes, they can run. Are you sure, David? Yes, I have a. You ever seen a corgi run? Yes. All right. Okay. I've I've met many corgis. I believe you. We have a corgi. My dog is half corgi. Yeah. 
This is uh, the first I've heard about his corgi love, so yeah, I don't believe it. I believe you, Dave. Thanks. Thank you. Somebody does. Is it time for the bits? Yeah, lead us into the bits. Favorite bits, you. everybody, from, from Nobody's Fool. I loved when... Okay, so Rub, who is technically Sully's friend, he works with Sully um, doing the construction when he he's super upset with Sully about his son. So he leaves and he's like walking away from the construction site. And so Sully and his son follow him in the truck mm-hmm. and uh, they're on the sidewalk because Sully is obviously a the uh, wild guy. You know, he loves to break the rules to prove a point. And um, the police officer, Doc, uh, I'm sorry, Officer Raymer, Raymer, pulls over in the in the police car and prevents Sully from following Rub. And I love that Sully just like knocks him out. Um, oh yeah, because the cop finally shoots at him. Yeah, the cop yeah. shoots at him, and it's just like I don't know. Obviously, crossing a line, and it. But it's just kind of funny because obviously the officer like is trying to stand up to him, and he clearly seems to run the town and everybody in it. So I don't know. It was kind of funny to watch him try to be, you know, standing up to Sully and then Sully not caring at all and then having to go to jail for it. And it kind of is the like one domino that leads to a lot, but that was kind of my favorite bit. Um, I just thought it was good. I don't know. What about you, Dave? Um, this was kind of hard to choose because this is one of those movies that has a lot of little moments or just like every character has like uh, their own little moment to shine or what have you. Um, like, like I think what you just mentioned was probably like the biggest, most grandiose moment in the movie. Like, you know, he takes out a cop. Um, but like a couple little moments I liked is um, there's a thing, you know, talking about bad Thanksgivings. There's one going pretty bad. There's a son named Wacker because he he's a little piece of crap <laughs> and it hits people around. He's uh, not a piece of crap. And- he just like. <laughs> They never address. Look, the kid may have. So the kid okay, may so, have some problems, but so, they never so, address it. So, so pre-podcast, Dave was talking about having kids later in life, <laughs> and and now he's like, "There's this kid in here. What a little bastard!" <laughs> well, I don't know. I kind of believe. I feel like the same with you. I'm like, clearly, his. So they're, they're called antecedents. Like, if a kid does a behavior, you have to look for like uh, the root cause. You know, like sure. maybe being ignored by both parents. But look, all I'm saying is like until he acts out, then he gets he gets rewarded. See, he gets negative rewards. They never addressed it, or like you like you just said, negative rewards uh, are whatever. They yeah. Look, long story short, whether it's the parents or the kid is pure evil, the kid was a piece of crap. (laughs) I'll put it on the parents because they were clearly having problems. Uh, But in any case, well, well, the son's story is masking what happens to Sully, right? Like you know, Sully had a divorce. He's you know. Oh, yeah. associated from the family and like the son's about to like go literally down the same path. Yeah, this is definitely a movie about like, you know, hey, learn, learn from past mistakes. Don't screw up your future generation. And, you know, so there's definitely that. Spoiler alert, takes the whole movie to learn from these mistakes. <laughs> but um, in any case, uh, the Thanksgiving from hell, Little Whacker and the other brother, Will, mm-hmm. um, are competing to piss in the toilet when instead of like waiting one after the other. Or realizing, hey, you're both little kids and you can piss in the same bowl at the same time. But in any case, <laughs> Wacker keeps pushing Will out of the way, and Will's like, "You better stop it! I'm gonna, I'm gonna teach you a lesson," you know. And sure enough, closes the lid on his dick. At least they didn't show it. There's no close up, <laughs> but you got it. 
Uh, and he runs off crying, wah, wah, and I don't know. I didn't expect that. Scrambled his little wavos. <laughs> so that gave me a big laugh. Um, the other thing that made me uh, that I really liked, it's just a small moment, not, nothing big, but uh, Sully and his lawyer are hanging out at the local bar and they're watching People's Court of all things. And they're like taking bets on it. Like instead of sports, they're betting on People's Court. I don't know. There's just something about that kind of tickled me. Like that's that'd be my kind of style of betting because, you know. I do like some people's court daytime shud shows. <laughs> so I don't know. What about you, John? Okay. Um, so it's hard to divide this movie in terms of favorite bits because like, you don't want to piecemeal the movie. Cause I think like every scene is pretty good. Yeah. The movie is really good. And so I can say like my favorite sequences or scenes that kind of move into other scenes are like when the sun arrives, um, at first, I thought this was a scene that Jordan was going to talk about, but she ended up talking about a similar, a different scene. So his truck breaks down when he fills it with too many cinder blocks because he takes a, sh- a shitty side job from his usual contractor played by uh, Bruce Willis, as Dave mm-hmm. mentioned earlier. That's what gives him all his gigs, but he actually owes him money right now, and they're like arguing about like getting paid on the old job, but he, ha- he can't afford not to take the new jobs. So he's like moving debris from one site to a waste facility or, I don't know, the dump or whatever. And he gets too zealous and like overloads the weight of the truck. So it pops his tires. Plus he has like a bum knee from the last job. He didn't get paid for or whatever. So he's like hiking down the highway and it's his son that stops to pick him up. And then that's when we get, you know, to meet the boys, Will and Whacker, which is Dave's favorite in the movie. And, uh, as we learned a few seconds ago. And, um, the other sequence I like is at the diner where he's like helping the waitress's mom who has like dementia or something get safely from, just like walking through this cold streets in like pajamas to the diner to inform the waitress that her mom is having a problem. But then he's so familiar with the diner. He puts on an apron is like passing out food and ketchup to the patrons while arguing with his landlord's son. And I'm like, what, what a well orchestrated, like uh like sequence of events, you know? Mm-hmm. So all, I mean, all around, even Melanie Griffiths in the movie, we haven't mentioned her yet. Um, yeah. She plays the, um, wife who's getting cheated on by the by uh the construction uh supervisor and um it's like a reoccurring thing because it's like a will they won't they between sully and the wife you know um to the realize it's way out of bounds for both of them and i, I don't want to ruin the movie like i just think like you should probably watch the movie um which brings us to ratings we sometimes say binge now binge later or binge never um it's back to you jordan I kick us off. I would say binge now. This seems like one of the movies that my mom would watch that I'd probably like walk in on as a a younger person and like want to change the TV to something that I would watch, but I would probably sit down and then like get sucked in. And then 15 (laughs) minutes later, I'm like completely enthralled in. And so definitely a binge now is just a really good Mm. classic to watch. So what about you, Dave? Oh yeah, it's definitely a binge now. Um, I like these types of movies, these little, um, I don't know what you call it, slice of life movies. Like there's nothing big at stake, but like a lot of personal, uh, personal relationships at stake, if you will. Um, I don't know, just, it's also just one of those movies as well, written, well acted, just the right actors for the right parts. Um, I, I mean, getting us out old, like you just don't see like little small movies like this that much anymore. So yeah, binge now. John. So, okay, it's a binge now if it's seasonal. Like, if, if it's at a certain time of the year. In in the United States, it'd be, like, fall time. 
It's like September, October, November, getting you through the holidays. Perfect time to watch this movie. And in fact, I think like some of the scenes take place during a Thanksgiving. And so like mm. uh, one of our fans, gosh, is it Matt? Mark. Oh, one of our fans named Mark. Mark said, hey, are you guys going to do like a holiday playlist or come up with like a Thanksgiving week, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, actually, we're think- considering watching this Paul Newman movie and like it technically qualifies as a Thanksgiving movie, right? I mean, like, I think so. I mean, a scene, in fact, the scene I was mentioning with yeah, Latter, it happens at Thanksgiving on meal. Thanksgiving. Yeah. I think it leads almost all the way up to Christmas, too, does it not? Yeah, that's I right. Think it was like New Year's Eve, Eve or whatever maybe. with yeah. the poker game. Yeah, yeah. Um, so definitely and that, a yeah. movie. I didn't spoil this movie. I don't think I said anything like out of bounds. Um, <laughs> So the, the rest of the year, I think it's like a, a binge later, like get around to it. It's a great movie. Like this, if you're trying to like watch what's a hidden gem for Paul Newman, like this is up there because everybody sees freaking everybody sees Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. A lot of people will see The Sting. Um, what's that one with the pool player in jail? The Hustler? The, uh, yeah, The Hustler and then uh, Color of Money. Oh, and Cool Hand Luke. Yeah, Cool yeah, Hand cool Luke. Hand they'll Luke. see that. They'll see that stuff. There's another one where he's a race car driver, I think. And you'll, so you'll see these handful of movies like, OK, that's Paul Newman. And then like, no, man, like, go find this other movie called Nobody's Fool, you know. Point you in that direction. Um, <laughs> you know, I was going to sh- shame Jordan with all these things that he hasn't seen that she should have seen by now. <laughs> Clearly classic American media. But, you know, something came to light and recently just chit chatting with Dave and getting ready for this podcast. Dave hasn't seen Malcolm X. Scent of a Woman, Chaplin. I don't know who this guy is anymore. Like, I thought I knew who David was. I, yeah. I can't believe David hasn't seen a handful of these classics. Well, as I, as we were talking earlier, I guess that just means in 1992, nobody let me choose anything at the video store. <laughs> so yeah. many more screenings for us to all be shameful on. So <laughs> enough shame to go around for us all. No, there's, there's, I got a lot of shame and what i haven't no. watched i can't think of the titles have you guys ever caught me having not watched a movie yeah <laughs> but i don't have any to shoot off right now all right come back to me next week um oh fan service we got messages from the fans oh which one should i go to oh the one i pointed out now i forgot what it was i sent it to you guys uh oh jordan you brought up freaking we were talking about we were talking about below decks yeah. The other week? yeah. Yeah. So you like one of the captains and somebody shot back like, oh, captain, captain. so and such. Captain Lee is some oh. one of our fans' freaking well, great uncle. Talk about family strife at Thanksgiving parties. She said the the fame's really gone to her uncle's head. Yeah, this fan shot back that like that was her uncle or whatever. No confirmation, but like kind of funny. Uh the timing of everything. I'm a giant and who's fan the girl? Captain, who's like... the girl with the captain? Does he have like a wife or something? No, he's got like a bunch of you know um, chief stewardesses. So you know, or chief stews is what they call them. Mm, sure, but they sure. rotate a little bit. So I bet one date and then you're off the boat. One bad international date, waters. Yeah. So yeah, that's a little but, dark for a holiday episode. Sorry, folks. It's kind of funny though. Some people do get escorted like literally straight off the boat. So, well, like they have like boat security. They literally get a dinghy and just take them away. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you have to so they get the little inflatable and they like send them off the boat. It's like all dramatic, and you just see them like yeah. what, right away into the sunset. 
one of them was this lady like got way too hammered and he was mm-hmm. like nobody goes into the water at night and she did not listen and so have, it was have like, you guys ever taken a cruise ship have you ever been on a cruise like the like the like the mm-hmm. ship like a cruise or a yacht no but i've been on a bigger boat i guess oh the other fan service is let me look this up and I have a good answer for this, but I was kind of bitching when I got asked this question. But maybe Dave can chime in on this one. <laughs> like, why we don't watch these super popular movies? Or like, like, let me see if I can find the message. Hold on. Lots of messages. Uh, oh, okay. Oh, he's asking, like, hey, why don't you guys talk about Station Wagon movies? And then he goes, isn't that a good topic for binge watchers? I said, yeah, maybe. And then he goes, uh, what about adventures in binge watching Ghostbusters, Beetlejuice, Edward Scissorhands, Harry and the Henderson's National Lampoon's Vacation? I feel like we've offhandedly mentioned those titles several times over yeah, the course of I many mean, episodes. But doesn't mean we couldn't, but I mean, those are... Okay, but individually, only Harry and the Henderson's, like, are, are like show model harry and the henderson's like fits the themes of the show mm-hmm. the other ones are so popular that like there's got to be like ten thousand reviews of like beetlejuice online or like right. ten thousand reviews of like maybe not adventures in babysitting jordan have you seen adventures in babysitting no <laughs> but i fun. did mention like a ton of those tim burton flicks as one of my staff picks like what we like oh, to yeah. watch during the holidays like two episodes ago so oh yeah 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 yeah. I mean, it, it feels like if it's a universal movie like that's a binge now universally, it just seems like it's not worth, not yeah. necessarily worth doing because we already know where we stand on it. Like Ghostbusters, oh, binge yeah. now. Okay, great. <laughs> you know, Beetlejuice, binge <laughs> now. I mean, I love Beetlejuice, but like it just be as glowing over it for two, you know, for 20 minutes or whatever versus something like this where we're kind of taking a shot. Like John didn't know if me and Jordan were going to like it. It turned out we did. Yeah, taking some movie risks here. Try to get our well, hearts broken on a podcast. That's like kind of the cool thing about me is that I get to watch these movies that I would like mm. never pick out of a lineup. But it's like I watch Beetlejuice every year for Halloween yeah. and all the Tim Burton movies. And so it's like, yeah, there's not a lot of juice you can squeeze out of that. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So, but it's those are classics for a reason. Oh, yeah. So if you're listening out there, we talked about those movies now officially <laughs> um we'll give you some staff picks though i'm sure if jordan or dave or myself has watched anything else we can recommend outside of the movie of the week jordan you got some things you've been watching yes i watched stuts today and oh how is that i mean you're gonna tell us so good. <laughs> i was obviously sobbing because we all know i'm a crier but it just was so good it's a movie about Jonah Hill and he is making the movie about his therapist. And so they just go over um, obviously some tools that he's learned throughout his sessions. But what I thought was really cool is that like you get 15 minutes into the movie and then he kind of like pauses because he's having this revelation about filming it. And he was like, I just feel like, like, I think, and what it, you know, I'm gathering from the movie is that he felt it was a little disingenuine to keep filming it in a way where he's like wearing this wig because that's what his hair looked like eight months ago when they were filming these sessions and they're wearing the same clothes every single time that they're doing these sessions. 
and they still kind of wear and do those things, but it was just like pausing to like recognize that like the way that he was filming this movie wasn't coming out the way he wanted because the whole purpose is to like be vulnerable and to like confront some of these things that are coming up in the film. And so, yeah. So Jonah Hill was like trying to engineer the documentary rather than let the documentary happen and be like organic therapy session. Exactly. And so like, they definitely talk about some really cool things that I think are applicable to everybody who, you know, in life. So, you know, it's funny. It reminds me of like the pamphlet that Scientology hands out. So I'd be like, this is the Scientology Uh, of therapy. However, Scientology doesn't believe in therapy. So connecting the two is not helpful. And like, you know, I'm not saying they're connected, but this guy develops his own method. And it sounds like, yeah, the two page thing that like Scientology hands you, you know, methods that I think he creates, but I think they are methods that he uses in his therapy. But what I think is interesting that he does is that he create, he creates these illustrations to be able to like conceptualize the things that they're talking about in the sessions. And he gives them to his patients. And then to layer that he has Parkinson's. So it's like his drawings and like his writing. And then also like some of the situations that the therapist has personally gone through, through his life are related obviously to his illness. Yeah, the doctor's so. interesting, interesting individual for sure. However, it's like like he wants to Jonah Hill to ask like really poignant questions about Jonah Hill and Jonah Hill's decisions, but then it's like oh, you're asking an actor to like turn inward when their whole thing is they have a job that employs them to pretend to be other people because they don't always want to look inside because they're not going to like what they see every time they look inside. And like there was at one point where like he asked him about his mom and he, he like he has like a little breakdown. Well, like, he oh damn. A couple times. And I thought it was interesting that he would not go further into the therapy because he was like, This movie isn't about me, it's about you. Yeah. But it's also like about the therapy. So he kind of like has to go through that that door, like step. It's kind of heavy. Door. I mean, I didn't finish it. I just watched like maybe a half hour, 40 minutes. I didn't watch the whole thing yet. I thought it was excellent. I love the therapist. I I love Phil Stutz. I thought he was just such a cute guy. I think he had some great. It's not going to make you feel good. It's definitely not not on the feel good. Are you kidding me? It was. I don't know. I guess maybe I kind of associate crying with like feel goods. Like it's kind of cathartic. Yeah, it is. Yeah, you release these emotions, and I think that's like. But that's the thing about life is that like you can't get the good without the bad. And like although it is sad, and there's some heaviness, there's obviously Mm. these lessons to be learned because that's like the whole point of the therapy sessions is like you cannot enjoy life unless you also kind of embrace the bad so i thought it was a feel good so well you might have just sold it it's on my list that you might have like uh, convinced me to watch it in the next day or two (laughs) so good i hope you like it so. Yeah, I've been I've been looking forward to that since it popped up, but I haven't had it. I don't know. It just feels like because it does feel so heavy, it doesn't feel like every time I've been wanting to watch something, I'm like, ah, not right now. <laughs> like that's it. Just doesn't feel like the right time for that movie. But you might have right. convinced me. Um, so um, trying to, I actually watched quite a few things this week. Uh, some things really awful. Uh, some things really good. But uh, to try to stick with the feel good, I will stick with the feel good choice of what I watched. That was good. Um, I watched a new movie on Apple Plus uh, called Causeway. It's with uh, Jennifer Lawrence and Brian Tyree Henry, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. if he's been on a ton of things like Atlanta. Is this where he and... gets locked out of his house? 
No. I don't know what that is, but now you got me interested in whatever that might be. <laughs> yeah, there's a movie where he's like locked out of his his like brownstone or his, No, no, this is not that. I'll have to look whatever, into whatever York, that is. Whatever. Uh but no, this is I mean, this is a kind of like along the lines of Nobody's Fool in the sense that um it's just a very simple story. Uh Jennifer Lawrence is um uh, a war vet. She just got back from Afghanistan. She was um, you know, uh part of um got exploded in a convoy. Uh, so she, the beginning 15 minutes or so is her recovery and her learning to walk again, learn to speak again, that kind of thing. Uh, she moves back home and, um, you know, lives with her mom, who's a complete, just terrible mother. Uh, you find out piecemeal, like, you know, stuff wasn't great growing up. Her brother turned to drugs. Um, and at some point her car breaks down and, and in front of a shop, luckily. And um, she just kind of starts this friendship with Brian Tyree Henry you don't think um, they just seem to make an unlikely pair. Um, and for the most part, the movie st- makes it non-romantic, which was nice. Um, they did slip a little of that in there. It becomes part of the conflict of the movie. Uh, but it's just a very simple story about like, ba- as you find out through the movie of like two, two wounded people that just really need a friend, not nothing romantic, but they just need a connection of some kind to like ease their, their pain and their stress and their awful life experiences. Uh, it's just just one of those sweet movies where just two unlikely people build a friendship and you just kind of hang on to that. But um, yeah, Causeway, it's on Apple. John, what have you been I, watching? I didn't watch anything sappy or redeeming or feel-goodery. I went back and watched all five of the current existing Pirates of the Caribbean movies on Disney Plus as like a two-day sprint. I started like Friday, finished Sunday morning or something like that. was watching them like two at a time. And, uh, you know, I, I thought when the second one came out that the octopus face on Davy Jones, played by Bill Nighy, like, looked like shit. But now, having rewatched these, like, actually, the CGI holds up. The animated monsters look good. It blends well with the actual real stuff that's physically there. Like, when they're really on the water and the real boats versus the CGI boats, etc. I'm like, why did they do so good ten years ago? And, like, Marvel movies are sucking now you know what i mean like maybe there was like less competition for visual effects and maybe I, think, like... I think that's genuinely it i mean when you think about it like there's only maybe two or three maybe five big special effects movies a year and now there's like five a month yeah <laughs> so. well the and the main story wraps up like in the first three movies but then they revisit part of it in the fifth movie they redeem basically every character along the way and like every famous pirates there like blackbirds of uh black blackbird no blackbeard is the villain in like number four, and then like uh, it's Davy Jones in like two and three. The first movie is just a, is a character they created called Barbarossa, played by um. Well, that's the thing. It's like every great British actor oh, in the nineties uh, is in this. Jeffrey right? Rush. Yeah, yeah, Jeffrey Rush, and um, and it's like Johnny Depp at his best, right? Like he loves this mm-hmm. character, uh, Jack Sparrow, and so you see like Jack Sparrow's adventures over like five movies. It's pretty good. I am sad that we're not going to do Margot. Oh, sorry. Well, no, I've just been thinking about them a lot because obviously watching Lord of the Rings and Mm. seeing Orlando Bloom and, you know, Lord of the Rings and then like thinking about him and Pirates. And I'm like, I don't like, why doesn't he do more movies? Like, like, I don't know. I just think Legolas is like a cool character. And then he like does the Pirates and stuff. Like, what else is he in outside of those 
I don't really he, know. He's busy being Mrs. Kate or Mr. Katy Perry. So could be the, <laughs> yeah, being a, a father. I mean, he, you're right. He doesn't pop up that often, but he's still like I think he's kind of hit that direct to video route now, or mm. or something like that. I know he was on a TV show on Amazon. I think it was Carnival Row. Hmm. You watched that, didn't you? John? Oh, th- yeah. That movie's that. Well, that show is cool because you the, you get to see fairies have sex. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's literally his claim to fame. Like, hey. Have you ever imagined what it'd be like if realistic fairies were banging dudes? Check out this show. I mean, I can't sell it any better than that. I mean, I don't know. I might have to start watching that. Yeah, I was like, yeah, so you're going to go watch a documentary? You're going to go watch fairies hooking up with each other? What are you going to do, Dave? Probably. You know, I don't know. In my personal opinion, I'd be like, yeah, the fairies. Like, who needs to watch a cute little therapist guy talk about his... I don't know. I'm I'm probably more on the therapist side. I'm like, I don't know. I might need a good cry or a purge, as I like to call it. It was so good. I've been stamping down all these emotions. (laughs) I think I forgot to play the theme song. Oops. All right. So I guess no music. In. Happy holidays. <laughs> oh, oh, stick around, folks, because we're gonna pretty soon we're gonna be watching like a movie with an axe wielding Santa Claus, and it's not the one that everybody's probably thinking of. So yeah, tune in for that. <laughs>